0: At US Cellular, we're local, so we can help everyone stay connected for less. And less also means more, as in more choice. While the other guys may limit your options, at US Cellular, you choose any phone and we make it free. That's right, visit our store and any phone you see is free. Plus get unlimited data for $30 a month with four lines. US Cellular, America's locally grown wireless. Terms apply, see uscellular.com for details.
1: we uh we m- may not be alone
2: this is the garden of tombs
1: Welcome, everybody, to episode 69 of Garden of Doom, and this week we have another very special guest. His name is Reverend Jim Willis. Uh, He has been in the ministry for something like four decades. Um, Probably not your typical uh, image when you think of a reverend. He's an author of many, many books. The most recent one uh, is called Censoring God. Um, but it's not what your knee-jerk reaction probably is. Though If you listen to the show, you're probably not surprised by that. Um, it, it's not like uh, censoring God in school or in government sectors or anything like that. It, it's more about going back to, well, the Council of Nicaea and, and even the five books of Moses and, and before that. So if you're a fan of von Danegan and Sitchin and, and all of, all of those... Uh, you're you're gonna really enjoy this show uh, I have read censoring God a very easy read very enjoyable book about 320 pages um, just a fascinating stuff uh, just uh, really weaves I mean obviously this is Reverend Willis's thoughts but weaves together a lot of different authors that probably fans of this show have read sort of in one place uh, and and it takes it chronologically and, and breaks it up logically and it's just great, but instead of me doing this, I, I've got the the man right here. So, Reverend Willis, thank you so much for joining us in the Garden of Doom.
2: Thank you, Jeff,
0: and please, uh, just just Jim is fine. Okay, <laughs> Don't worry about her. I mean, Thank you, though.
1: That's good. And for those uh, um, those audience members who have listened to the show for a while. Reverend Jim Willis, Jim, is different than Reverend Jim Willemson. They are two different people. Uh, Jim Willemson has been on t- uh, on different shows. So I know there's a, fil- a familiarity there, but if you think you're, this is the same gentleman, it's not. And definitely listen to those shows. shows they're great in their own way, but th- th- this is going to be a very different talk. So anyway, um, Jim, uh, you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Give your your bio as, as you like. Tell the folks some of the books that you read, and then we'll get right into it.
0: Sure. Uh, censoring God is the result of uh, oh probably 50 years of study Uh, I was born back in 1946 and it was a a prophetic time in biblical studies because the Nag Hammadi uh, manuscripts which is the Gnostic Gospels and a bunch of other things uh, were found in the Egyptian desert in 1945 the year before I was born Uh, and then the year after I was born, nineteen forty-seven, was the beginning of the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls discoveries, and that uh, mostly in the Old Testament. So here I was born in forty-six, between the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Nag Hammadi scrolls, and it was uh, it was just kind of it seemed to be my place in life that I had to be studying the scriptures, and I've gone through the whole bit. I, I had a a very powerful uh, you might say fundamentalist uh, conversion experience when back in the early '70s that changed my life, and uh, although that has totally changed since that since that time, I've I've been the gamut in uh, in Christianity from fundamentalist to evangelical to charismatic to liberal to whatever you want to whatever you want to say, but when I started becoming pastors, a pastor of a church in 1972, I think it was. um, I had this idea, I think we all had it, that we were going to join a spiritual community, which was going to be about the spiritual growth. And uh, we had, all of us who went into the ministry back in those days, uh, kind of just felt that, this was going to be our lot in life to be surrounded by this, the deeper questions of life. Who am I? What is God? Is there a God? Uh, what is God like? It doesn't work that way <laughs> for those who've had extensive uh, opportunities to be in any kind of religious communities, let alone uh, Christian churches. When you become a pastor of an independent church, uh, you kind of become CEO of a small corporation. Yeah. And you're always interested in the things the CEOs are interested in. You, you've got to worry about the next thing, the committee meetings, the the money making, the taking care of the building, and doing all that kind of stuff. And you get so involved in just living the life that 40 years later you discover you somehow got sidetracked. You never right. did what you went to do. And so when I retired at the first opportunity I had, uh, which is back 12, 13 years ago, I guess that was, um, my wife and I retired to the woods of South Carolina and it, it was, it was supposed to be a retreat. We were going to come back here. Uh, we had, I, I was a part-time carpenter for much of my life. And and uh, besides being a, a uh, college part-time college professor and so when I retired from all of that, I came back here and I built a house out in the woods. And Man, we were just going to go on a retreat and retire for one year. We even had a, a, a Bible verse in mind. I will not let you go until you bless me. I was going to get in touch with this spirituality that I've been preaching and teaching about my whole
1: life. So you parts of Ron Swanson and Jesus in the carpenter yeah, there.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, when I came out here, Deciding I was going to somehow get in touch with the spiritual source of our being, boy, uh, my prayer was answered in ways that I never expected. Um, I did find what I was looking for, but it did not come through traditional Christianity. It came more in the um, in the realm of what might be called shamanism, or mm-hmm. paganism, uh, uh, natural religion, and. Uh, the questions that I had were answered but not in any way shape or form when I in in the form that I expected uh, through a classical Christianity and uh, theology. So uh, we've been out here now. we came out here for one year and uh, that was thirteen years ago, <laughs> and we're still here. Sure. Uh, we just we have put aside a lot of the the noise and the confusion and the speed of life. Uh, days go by when we don't hear or see anybody. Um, when it got to the point where it was a little too much for us to uh, live out here by ourselves safely, uh, built a house next door. My daughter moved in, and uh, she takes care of all the uh, technological stuff that I don't understand and uh, helps us out by I mean, doing everything from mowing the lawn to doing the heavy stuff that we can't do. But
1: Yeah, it's a very I, family enterprise.
0: I, yeah, yeah, lo and yeah. behold. I, I started writing books. And uh, now 13 books later, here we are. That's a, uh, never expected it. Never expected it.
1: What was your initial inspiration in writing your first book, and what was the first book about? Uh,
0: the first book was called Journey Home, and I think it came out in 2001. And uh, it was basically about long-distance bicycle riding, which has been a passion of mine my whole life. I've ridden cross-country from California to, to uh, Plum Island up, in, up near Boston, up near the neck of the woods. And uh, I've written written from uh, Florida up to Massachusetts, and uh, I love to bicycle the length of rivers. I've been down the Connecticut River and uh, the the Millers River, the Saint John's River, and a lot of other rivers. And as I was, uh, as, you know, you bicycle along, and bicycling long distance is a, a kind of a zen thing you know you got the rhythm going
2: mm-hmm.
0: you can't read you're not listening to anything and you have your mind just going and i found myself wanting to write about the experiences i had and since then i've written three other books uh, so it's a trilogy really uh, um, journey home and uh, snapshots and visions and my latest bicycling trilogy book was savannah i did the length of the savannah river and uh the, and not really about bicycling as much as they are about, oh, the people you meet along the way, but also the things you think about, um, the inner life of the long-distance bicycle rider. But because of Journey Home, um, I got a call from a publisher, (coughs) excuse me, uh, Visible Inc. publisher up in Detroit, and um, they had had a book all set up to go with a uh, a theologian who was going to write a book about uh, world religions. And one of the editors there knew that um, I was uh, teaching you know, um, world religions at that time, and so she called me up and asked me if I might want to write a book for Visible Ink. And uh, as it turned out, I, in teaching my religion courses, I had a, a glossary of. Uh, different terms, religious terms that I used to use for my students. And that kind of got expanded and turned into the religion book, mm-hmm. which led into, I think, Oh, six or eight books now for visible Ink. Uh, the religion book was followed by Armageddon. Now, um, later on, uh, um, ancient gods, supernatural gods, lost civilizations. And the last one I did for them before, uh, censoring God was hidden history. And then censoring God came out. So it was, a uh, just something I never intended. It just happened, and one one thing leads to another in life. I guess you just never know for sure where you're going to go or what's happening.
1: That's for sure. And so the religion book. I'm I'm flipping through it. He can watch because we're we're talking on Skype, speaking on Skype, and it starts with Aaron with the A's and ends with um, Zionism and Zoroastrianism with disease. Yep. And so there's everything in between in alphabetical order, um, which is just amazing and.
0: <laughs> that's, that's kind of the book that brought me to South Carolina, too. When I was getting ready to retire, I wanted a place where I could build a little place out in the woods. And uh, I had a number of uh, uh, realtors up here uh, were close to where I lived in Florida. Not close, but closer, you know, but within a six-hour drive. And uh, one of them got back to me and said he had some places to show me. So just to get the feeling of the place, I... I looked online to some of the local newspapers uh, down here in South Carolina, and three of the local newspapers from our area were carrying a 26-part series on religion. And a is for Aaron, B is for Baptist, C is for Catholic, and all that kind of thing. And they were doing one a day for 26 days. And I was just kind of taken taken by that. I said, oh, that looks good. So I, I, uh, I looked up one of the local newspapers, and I started reading the column, and I guess this one was U is for Unitarianism. And uh, I thought it was pretty well written, so I called my wife in and I said, it hey, is. Pretty good article. This guy knows his stuff. She started laughing and she said, "Well, I hope he knows his stuff." You wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "What?" And I looked down at the bottom, and sure enough, it was the the column was based on the religion book. So I came up here and looked at property, did a couple of radio interviews or newspaper interviews when I was up here in the area. But uh, that's one of the reasons that I wound up in South Carolina was because of that book that you hold in your hand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she is never going to let you forget that you didn't recognize your own work
0: no and no and it happens so often i'm amazed i go back and um uh, e- even censoring god which was my latest book i mean i i started writing that book what two years ago it takes you know it takes six months to eight months for me to write it and i have to go to the editor and then we have to go through that process and then it's got to go through to the, all the different editors and it's got to add all the stuff to it one thing after another and um uh, lo and behold it's a, it's a Sometimes two years since I write a book till it comes out, and in that time I may have started another book and totally forgotten what I wrote. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the religious book. I mean, listeners, if you, if you want to hear, I mean, everything from Gandhi to Rastafarianism, Voodoo, it, it's all in here. So uh, check it out. It, it's it's almost like an encyclopedia. Um, and unfortunately, I've only read about half of it. But the, as I was telling Jim. Reading's the thing that always gets deferred. Uh, you know, I, I listen yeah. to oh, so yes.
0: Very common. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, I've, I've now watched Babylon <laughs> 5 again. That I have time for. But uh, <laughs> reading I can't possibly do. Um, so anyway, yeah, so, you know, I, we can talk about certainly whatever books that you'd like to talk about, whatever concepts, but uh, I imagine that censoring God is the one that's most on your mind these days. And yep. I'm also going with the belief that, that censoring God probably is to some extent the latest culmination of some of these past works as well. So uh, I know that you referenced the Akashic book, which is another one I read in censoring God and, and some of your others as well. I I believe supernatural gods and others were referenced um, in the, in here as well, the apocalypse book. So you referenced a lot of your old uh, older books in here. So, uh, you know, you can actually take us through whatever you think is important. You can jump back and forth between books as you like.
0: To tell you the uh, tell you the truth, I have to tell you about something that just happened a second ago with censoring God.
1: Sure.
0: Uh, when I was uh, writing, uh, when I wrote censoring God, and generally after a new book comes out, I'll, I'll do podcasts and uh, different different things uh, and talk about them. And you know, generally they're conducted on Zoom or uh, Skype, like we're doing today, or something like that. The first six interviews I had with censoring God uh, were had to be rescheduled. We couldn't get through for technical reasons. Uh, in one case, I was talking to a studio that was out in um, uh, Washington State, and they had a lot of rain. And a beaver came up out of the river and dug a hole and ate through the fiber optic cable that went to their thing. Well, this thing was canceled about five or six times now, an and it had to be rescheduled. And uh, you and I were talking about this just before we got on the air, and I told you the problems I had. And as soon as you said censoring God, I reached over and just knocked over a full glass of water and got water all over my desk and my computer and my mouse. And my wife is right here with a bunch of paper towels giving me so I can. It seems like every time we talk about censoring God, Something weird happens. <laughs> I'm well, really beginning to get uh, you and I talk about it, and then two minutes later, it, something else happens again.
1: Well, I'm one so of those shows that had to get rescheduled. We we could not make contact. I could not hear you. You couldn't hear me. We couldn't see each other. So, and so yeah. we, and I was really embarrassed. I, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe this happened. And then uh, and then your daughter, God bless her, uh, contacts me. And she goes, <laughs> she goes. This has happened about a dozen times only with this book, and I'm like, so here it goes again. So. Here it goes
0: again. I have never, I've never had walked, and knocked over a, a whole glass of water and ice cubes all over my desk, all over my computer, computer mouse. I'm well, swimming in water right now. Well, I have all, you in the moment. All I, censoring God.
1: I need, I need to ask you, who, what force do you think is trying to stop this? Is this something? Uh, is, is this God? Is, is, is this the the devil? Is this the uh, is this the Enki and Enlil that are don't want to be exposed? I mean. Who 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 it's, is it that's trying to silence you?
0: I have no idea. Uh, I had one person who was absolutely convinced that it was a government thing, but uh, believe me, censoring God is not a uh, it, it's it's not a radical book. Um, the idea of the Bible being a little different than we'd expected goes back oh almost 2,000 years or more. Uh, people have known about it when, when generally speaking, when people say, who wrote the Bible? Most people will tend to say God or uh, the prophets or the apostles or something like that. And it wasn't like that at all. Uh, and this has been known in seminaries and taught in seminaries, but somehow it just doesn't filter through to uh, the ch- church people very much, that the Bible is, is, is nothing like that. It uh, it is, you might even want to call it a political document more than anything else. Um, the problem was, uh, it, it all came down to about the 4th century. Constantine became the emperor of this far-flung Roman uh, Empire that went all the way from the British Isles to um, the Near East, the Middle East. And uh, he wanted to unite it, and he chose to unite it religion because that was going to be the thing that was going to bring everybody together. A unified religion would unify this great far-flung empire. The problem is, by the 4th century, Christianity had a number of different kinds of sects. There were the, the Gnostics down in Egypt. Um, there were what became known as the Eastern Orthodox or um, the, the uh, Eastern Church in uh, in, in Turkey, uh, where Nicaea was and all that kind of stuff, near where Constantine built his Eastern Empire, or Western Empire, or Eastern Empire, rather, Constantinople, which became now Istanbul. And uh, so what he wanted to do was get a unified religion, and to do that, he had to bring together all these different Christian sects, and he wanted to use religion as a weapon. Uh, it's it's not perfectly clear in history whether Constantine ever became a Christian, really, or not. Uh, a lot of people say he did. He was converted at the, uh, you know, the famous... The battle when he saw the sign of the cross you know, and by this sign you will you will conquer and all, but he he put off until the very last minute uh, being baptized as a Christian. He, I think he was for the best story that I've heard was that he was afraid of committing a sin that would keep him out of heaven, so he waited till the last possible minute when he couldn't sin anymore, yes. got baptized, and that's right.
1: Right, the deathbed conversion is the is the famous story. <laughs> so.
0: Um, but he had troubles, for instance, uh, the Gnostics down in, in Egypt were preaching that you didn't need a priest, you didn't need a church between you and God, that God was within all of us. Well, that wasn't going to help Constantine no. convert people or use the power. So he declared Gnosticism uh, a heresy. Uh, that's one of the things that the Council of Nicaea was all about. And through this period of councils uh, in uh Old Rome and Constantinople and Nicaea, uh, the Council of Hippo the Council of Carthage um, eventually they came upon these, this the idea that some books were going to be let in and some books weren't uh, and there were some books that were thrown out same thing happened uh, with the Old Testament, what Christians call the Old Testament, it's actually the Hebrew Scriptures the tradition has it that a committee met in the town of Jamnia in the late first century and one of the reasons they were meeting was because these uh, early Christians were passing around these documents, and they figured they had to, uh, early Jews rather, yeah, you know, the early Christians were passing around the documents, and a lot of Jewish people were leaving the Jewish religion and becoming Christian Jews, so to speak. So the Old Testament was put together, and uh, if there was any time of history that I'd love to go back to, I'd love to go back in Jamnia in the first century, or Hippo and Carthage at the end of the fourth century, and look in their waste baskets and find out what they <laughs> threw away. And that's kind of what censoring God is, because lo and behold, they thought they were destroying all the books that got uh, blackballed, uh, blacklisted, and looked. Up in the mountains of uh, the Dead Sea and out in uh, the desert of Nag Hammadi, they were burying those scriptures. They wouldn't destroy them. And so they wanted to just keep them uh, so some future generation could see it. And lo and behold... The year before and the year after I was born, both of those stashes, those waste baskets, so to speak, were were discovered, and now we know what some of the books are that they threw out, and now we can begin to see also why they weren't uh, let in because some of them were quite a bit different than uh, what we are used to.
1: And it's still going on. The conversation that you're talking about those some of those yeah. there are some religions and some sects and denominations that have accepted them as canon, others absolutely reject them as canon. Some Rejected as divine canon, but support for their, but some sort of yep. historical support for their, I mean, there's there's no singular basis. So whatever Constantine's dream was, actually, I think it probably worked to a certain extent beyond his yep. greatest yep. expect, well, probably beyond a realistic hindsight expectation, would, but probably not <laughs> beyond his greatest. This probably was more yep. like, more solid, uh, you know... Uh, you know, em- empire from Star Wars kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, 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 happening in, in real time, especially with the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Book of Enoch. I've interviewed, um, an Orthodox Jewish rabbi and, and he said, well, we look to the Dead Sea Scrolls as support to, that, that supports the covenant, but it's not. Doctrine. I've spoken to evangelical yeah. ministers say it's absolutely doctrine. I've spoken to a black Israelite that said it's nonsense, it's garbage, it's junk. Exactly. Uh, and, and those are just three examples that I I remember. So anyway, it, it, you know, just so if the audience thinks this is ancient history, and some of my audience think of 1945 as ancient history. Um, it, it, which, <laughs> well, you know, we can, we can actually go back. Uh, Constantine intended
2: to use this to use this book as a, a power source. He wanted power over
0: people. Uh, if people wanted to get to heaven, if the people wanted to get in touch with God, they had to go through the priests. Well, we had that exact same thing. It wasn't just, just not thousands of years ago, just last year that mm-hmm. happened right here in this country. Um, the President uh, Joe Biden is a devout Catholic, the second Catholic we've had, uh, um, and his, his own personal view about um about abortion he's he's very definitely along with the catholic church against abortion but he doesn't believe that he has the the uh, right to uh, put his own religious beliefs on others so his voting record uh, a lot of times has been pro uh, you know pro life i mean i mean uh, against abortion yeah. and uh, just last year uh, there was a group of conservative catholic priests right here in this country who wanted to deny joe biden Communion. Um, communion. Yeah. You know, they wanted to deny the mass to him, and uh, for Catholics, this is how one of the one of the to God. You you take you know communion, the Holy Eucharist, and they wanted to deny it because of his voting record. So here again, we have another example of uh, the power structure of the Church wanting to use their particular, um, but their particular power uh, against an American president of all people, and saying. You're not going to have access to the, the the Eucharist unless you know because of your because of your past unless you recant. Uh, that's how the Bible has been used so often down through history. They use it against Galileo the same way they used it against Isaac Newton uh, uh, in the very same way. And in our own country, the the uh, the Bible was used in a certain way against uh, the witches uh, in New England and and over and over and over again. We find that uh, this this particular document used in, in very political and very negative political ways.
1: Well, Manifest Destiny is an expansion uh, of, you know, noblesse exactly. oblige, and it's all, uh, you know, uh, an extension of spreading Christianity as sort of like, you know, the the, the moral basis for the Crusades was to, you know, yeah. was to spread and preserve Christianity and, and the birthplace. So, and this is nothing new. I, I, I'm sure that this was done in the past by, you know, other religions and and you, For know, sure. you know, in the past it's just this the last two thousand years has largely been dominated by Christianity. Though I did I did pose a question someplace and and I don't expect an answer to this, but I I've noticed that like it seems like Christianity and Islam seem to be the only two religions that have been or at least that successful in trying to convert by the sword, by you know, by sword point. I, I don't well, remember yeah, others. That, that,
0: not quite, because if you go back into the Old Testament, uh, the Jews went into Canaan, according to the story of the, the Old Testament. They went into Canaan, and uh, said God told them to kill every man, woman, child, and and uh, and even their animals. And when uh, uh, when they didn't do that, uh, when when King Saul, for instance, didn't kill all the uh, animals but kept the best of them for himself, he was punished for it. So. Jews too. Uh, that whole conquest of Canaan idea. Uh, well, well, and, and well there you right go. Now,
1: the monotheistic, uh, the big three, uh, all, yeah, all seem yeah. to uh, use have used it at least at some point as a weapon. I guess some longer than others are more right. successfully. Um, I, I mean, I could be wrong. For all I know, Hindus no, and you're Buddhists. Not, and I don't think so.
0: I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it's a it's a very very troubling. I I still consider my myself a Christian, although probably there are a lot of Christians out there who don't consider me a Christian <laughs> anymore. But I still consider myself a, a Christian. It's still my home, and I still find the metaphors of Christianity to be to be very important for me and very uh, uh, spiritually uplifting when I'm reading them in the right way, not historically but metaphorically. But even still, uh, we have a terrible burden to bear in Christianity, and like you say, all the monotheistic religions.
1: Wow. I, I, one of my favorite parts of your book was this uh, segment when, I, I guess you were, you had a guest in the, in the parish, in the church, who went home and repeated something that you had said. Basically, you would just, you know, they just repeated what you had said, and... Either their father was a, a, a reverend or a minister or, the, or their home church. They, they reported it to their, their home church uh, leader. And they, and they called you up angrily. And they said, I cannot believe that you said this. I cannot believe that you said this. And, and you said, why? It's, 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 it's just biblical scripture. It's just from, it's just from the New Testament. And he's like he's like, not in my Bible. And, and then you said, well, what Bible do you use? And, and he said, the King James Bible. And you said, me too. And you, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And you gave him the chapter verse and page and he looked it up and he sort of went harumph and hung up because uh, it um, was his Bible.
0: That, <laughs> that, that actually happened in a college setting. Uh, I was teaching uh, a comparative religion ah. and uh, I used to have uh, out where I was teaching at this particular course um, out in central Massachusetts. Uh, I had a lot of uh, former Catholic kids taking my course. and They were really interested in it. And, um, and that's when I used to read some of these Bible verses, and they were—they just couldn't believe they were in there. <laughs> and yeah, that the uh, w- one of them went home, told their local pastor. He called me up, and when I actually had him looking up in his own Bible, and he saw these things in his own Bible, you're right. He hung up the whole, phone, phone, and never heard from him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I found that to be so powerful and so poignant. And then you actually wrote it in less words than it, to, it took me to say it, and <laughs> and better, which is the gift of a good author, and. As we're recording this October 24th, 2021, and I intend to drop the show today as well, uh, meaning air it. Um, but sometimes there's a delay. But in this time period, and the reason why I'm, I'm time stamping now is because on Netflix recently, the last four months, there's been a show called Midnight Mass, which I absolutely have loved. But one of the interesting things about it is that, you know, sort of the villainous character she has chapter and verse and quotes for every situation, just, yeah. at the, just, just at the tip of her tongue. And I've always been sort of fascinated with, uh, you know, that aspect of, 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 of the Bible, which is sort of the, you've condensed in, into, into your works, but, and also the, and when I was reading your book, I'm like, Oh my goodness! This this sounds like vampirism, and they and they put that that was like basically the one of the premises of that show is, is that the the angels. You know, I always I used to joke that, that not joke, but I used to say you know whatever happened to Lazarus was he the first vampire or the first created vampire? You know, he was resurrected and we we never see him again. I, I asked one of the clergy, I can't remember if it was the, if it was the rabbi or whatever. And he's like, oh no, he just he just lived out the rest of his life, and that was that. I'm like, how do you know that? He's like, we know. Um, oh
0: man. But yeah.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. you know, and, and to say that this doesn't have long lasting consequences, I, I I like to think of when I am a kind of a Civil War buff. And I like to think back uh to the days of the Civil War and uh go back to let's say that Sunday morning before the people of my home state here in South Carolina fired on Fort Sumter. I like to picture a, a minister some somewhere standing up in the. A pulpit of a Baptist church down here in South Carolina. And uh, because everybody was thinking about slavery and states' rights and all that kind of thing, I'd like to think of him preaching a sermon, for instance, based on the uh, uh, the book of Ephesians and uh, defending slavery by the words of the Apostle Paul, who said, Slaves, obey your masters, for this is the Lord God's will. And then i like to go up north and picture one of those people up in Massachusetts preaching about the coming Civil War, too. And he used the Apostle Paul just like the other guy, but he used the book of Galatians, where Paul says, There is no more slave nor free, for we are all one in Christ. Here's two different preachers using this words from the same Apostle Paul and totally getting to- two totally different answers, preaching two total different sermons. And ten years later, thousands of people died believing because of their belief in uh, Ephesians and thousands of people have died because of their belief in Galatians and same author, same book, everything else. And this has long lasting ramifications. It really does. It's serious stuff. And I don't think we take it seriously enough.
1: Absolutely true. Um, Yeah. It's amazing because, you know, most books that long will have some inconsistencies, but you have so many different authors and so many different sources and then you have the, the translations from at least yeah. five different languages. I mean, as, as I understand it, it's first old Hebrew, then new Hebrew, then, uh, Seleucid Greek, possibly into regular Greek, but then into Latin, uh, then into, you know, I- English, which, you know, there's old. I mean, if you listen, if you read Shakespeare or the Canterbury Tales, which is 500 to 600 years earlier, you know, it, it's, it's almost a different language. It's, it's, it's like, Gaelic or Celtic. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, you know, I think you know people make a big deal about uh, the name, for instance, Jesus, and how that name has magical proportions and magical and All we have to do is say the name Jesus, and wonderfully, you know, when Jesus, assuming there was an historical Jesus, when he walked the uh, in the shores of the Galilee, nobody had ever heard the word Jesus that didn't come along for for a thousand years his name was Yeshua Ben Yosef and if you translate Yeshua directly into English it comes out Joshua
1: Joshua man
0: and uh, but instead Yeshua turns into the uh, the Greek Jesus which turns into the Greek uh, Latin Yesu and becomes English Jesus so it, it went through four different languages before we even heard the word Jesus. So uh, uh, people just don't realize this. It, it's and it's and it's a shame, especially now that the, uh, especially here in America, the evangelical churches is, is uh, claiming such. Um, well, they're having such arguments with amongst themselves because they they are. Uh, Claiming their own brand of Christianity as being the only correct brand and the political ramifications of that. And uh, it, it's just a terrible, terrible situation that doesn't have to be. And the only reason it is that way is because so many people are just ignorant of what the Bible really is. Uh, everybody swears by the Bible. Uh, some people
1: swear on the Bible. Some sure. people swear at the
0: Bible. But <laughs> whatever the case, um, uh, you know, they all have it and they all swear by it. And this is this is this is what I follow. But how many people have ever read it, or how many people have ever tried to figure out how it got together, how it got to us in the form it did? All those reasons went into the reason uh, went into my reasoning for having to write Centering God. Uh, that was a book I just had to write eventually.
1: Well then, let's get straight into censoring God, because I could probably talk to you about this forever. But I'm gonna—I'll probably have a, a jihad uh, issued against me by every major religion, because <laughs> uh, that's just how the way my luck goes. You, you'll be fine, but me—I, you'll—you'll you'll just have C.S. Lewis, Narnian uh, beavers attacking, you know, your connections and stuff. But me, I'll—I'll I'll get like snipers and stuff. So uh, anyway, let's get into censoring God, because it goes—it goes. It goes well before any any bible was written i mean you're you're, you're you start pre Noah, so uh, yeah. so this is so i'm gonna i'm gonna let you take this over because i thought this was just so well written and really the first 150 pages was just uh I, you know i almost couldn't stop
0: well probably the the, the one book that uh that I spent the most time with and I have spent the most time over the last 40 years was uh, let's just take one example, the book of Enoch, for instance. Um, We know that there was a book of Enoch or a book about Enoch. We know that Enoch was well known to the early people of the Bible because they talked about him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Enoch was the uh, great, great grandfather of Noah in -hmm. the Bible. Uh, and we talk about, you know, in that, in the, in the book of Genesis, there's that, the chapter that's called sometimes the begats. So and so lived so many years. He begat his child whose name was so and so. And he lived so many more years and he died. But then along comes Enoch and it doesn't say he died. It says he just disappeared. God took him. Uh, well, what was that about? We know that there must have been a story there because the, the uh, writers who wrote about Enoch in the book of Genesis mentioned him. We know that the New Testament writers knew him because he's mentioned in the book of Hebrews. He's mentioned in the book of Jude. But we don't know anything about him. Just these mysterious things. Uh, So we know there must have been a book uh, about Enoch or by Enoch or something having to do with Enoch. And his name is recognized in, in Muslim scriptures. Uh, he's given a different name in, in Islam, and in Hebrew, and in, in, uh, in our English. But we didn't know anything about him until all of a sudden, 1930-something, I guess it was, um, the Book of Enoch was discovered, and of all places, Ethiopia, in mm-hmm. an Ethiopian uh, tradition, an Ethiopian language, the sacred language of Ethiopia. And so we read about it, and this book is fantastic. You can read it now on the internet. You can get copies. Uh, Amazon has a different bunch of different translations.
1: What well, what is that language and again? It's got a very distinctive name: the Holy Language of Ethiopia.
0: Oh, uh, I was afraid you were going to ask me that. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's, it's like, uh, like
1: Meziz or something like that.
0: Something. Um, uh, you know, I, I know it, and I just, I just can't, uh, I can't think of it. Off the top of my head, I uh, know you
1: know it because you wrote it. But uh, like you said, yeah. you never forget. <laughs> it's all right. I, I'm not. We don't need to do any gotchas. We can we can Google that and find it later or whatever. But yeah, it's,
0: know, it's, okay. I mentioned it in the book, the sacred language of Ethiopia. And right now, I, I'm just I'm just blanking out on it. Oh, it if awful. they give you an option to be old, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well, they, they, there there is an option not to be. It's 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 yeah. considered worse. Uh,
0: uh, well, at any rate, here is this book, and it's discovered, and it's brought back to England, and if anything uh, Enoch seems to be a book that's written by if anything a shaman more than anything else mm-hmm. he talks about out-of-body experiences uh, he talks about being taken up to the seventh heaven he talks about the experiences there uh, he talks about giants in the land which casts uh, ideas about this uh, the book of you know Genesis talking about uh, the Nephilim the the giants that were born to uh, this these Offspring of the sons of God and the daughters of men, and Enoch talks about all that stuff. Well, it was so different than the status quo at the time when uh, the Book of Enoch was put together in the first late first century in Germany when the Bible, when the Old Testament was put together, that um, they decided it wasn't worthy to be included. It just would have caused too many, too much, too many questions. They didn't want to be bothered with it, so they destroyed it, basically. And uh, you begin to worry about people. not so much the fact that they edited the Bible. And the Bible is a heavily edited book. But why did they destroy their worry that somebody else might be testing them someday? Um, and those kinds of things make you wonder, especially when you look at uh, Enoch, who was the father of uh, Methuselah, who was the father of Lamech, who was the father of Noah, and uh, he tells this this strange story in a uh, in a little text uh, from the Dead Sea Scrolls called the Genesis of uh, Genesis Apocryphon. Uh, Lamech uh, goes in to see his son for the his firstborn son for the first time, and lo and behold, he looks at him and he says that he believes that his son is uh, his wife was having an affair with one of these daughters of God because or sons of God so, yeah. because. The baby didn't look like a normal baby. He thought he was a nephilim. He thought he was this uh, giant um, baby. And the Bible says God destroyed the world for those because that's whole idea of Noah's Ark was to destroy this race of of uh, giants and half breeds and to start over again.
1: Yeah, I never understood that. I mean, one of the one of the grandparents of this show is I just don't understand this part of the Old Testament. I don't understand how biblical time is supposed to start 6,000 years ago, but, you know, before you have humans 1 and 2, and certainly before 3 and 4, you have these great men of renown, the heroes of old. Who's old if if you're the first people? Now, the Orthodox rabbi told me that in that section with the begetting and the begatting, you know, that that they only named the, the, the males, and the males all had... Twin sisters, and they and the tw- the twin sisters had twin sisters, so you know, so there were for every one person you saw born, it was actually three. And Cain was mad at Abel because Cain only had one sister, not two. Uh, but during all that time, that's when all the people came, and since they lived for thousands, you know, hundreds of years, those are your heroes of all, And I'm like, no, nah, because they're talking about pre flood, you know, and then that doesn't make sense. So I don't know that you actually say it, but I got the distinct inference that. Basically, what you were doing to sort of reconcile this, or the, your theory, without putting it out there—maybe I'm wrong, maybe I just read what I wanted to read—I do that. Um, was that you? Basically, doubled the biblical time. That you basically said, without saying it, that the, you you implied that it's not six thousand years old. Our biblical time is, is closer to twelve thousand years. Sort oh, of like the younger dryas. It.
0: No, I don't. I don't double it. Uh, I I go back billions of years. <laughs> I really do. I, you know,
1: I, well, I got I just, the math wrong. Never my strong you, suits. You just
0: you just can't make it work. There's no question that uh, in the archaeological record that the human race has been around for at least three hundred thousand years, probably a lot more. Uh, and there's no question that there may have been civilizations before ours that way back in time that we don't even know about right now. Uh, there's all kinds of evidence out there, and so I just. I just when we read the bible we expect it well let's put it this way we read it with eyes and minds uh, that are geared into the 21st century and the early uh the early writers were never expecting their work to be read in this way that's something that we superimpose onto their onto their words i believe
1: who do you think the nephilim were
0: um uh, well there's there's some uh, it all depends how much time we have. <laughs> as, as much time as you like. Uh, the Bible, it, it 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 has this 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 strange verse, one of the strangest verses in the Bible, where uh, it in the days before the flood, it said, the sons of God, whoever they were, saw that the daughters of men, whoever they were, were fair, and they came in and they mated with them, and their offspring were called Nephilim. And that word is sometimes translated giants, heroes of mighty men of renown, the, the ones that you just mentioned. Uh, now, there might be a, a metaphor, spiritual metaphor in this, but another way of looking at it is that the, um, the sons of God could very well, uh, just as easily have been uh, uh, an advanced race of humans that were, probably destroyed about 12,000 years ago. Their civilization was wiped out when uh, a segmented comet hit the uh, northern hemisphere and all the way across into Siberia. Uh, it caused the uh, beginnings of another ice age. We were just coming out of the last great ice age when this comet hit, and there is now evidence of it, uh, even a even a, uh, the comet strike up in Greenland below the ice cap. There's evidence of it, and uh, sea levels, I mean, the the Earth retreated right away into basically another ice age that lasted for 1800 years, the Younger Dryas Ice Age. And at the end of that time, perhaps uh, another comet strike when we circled around through and and hit the other uh, segments of this comet that had been circling, Um, the Younger Dryas ended suddenly. and It was a time of great sea level rise. And uh th- those were precisely the times 11,800 years ago when Plato places, for instance, the last con- lost continent of Atlantis. Uh, he puts it right in this same time period. So some people begin to wonder whether the sons of God, uh, as they are called in Genesis, were an advanced civilization of humans that were wiped out in this great massacre, this great uh, cataclysm of Earth. Um, they weren't gods, but they may have seemed like gods because of the godlike they seem to have compared to the uh, basic Stone Age people who um, saw these people and saw that they had such wisdom and everything else and such techniques of building and all that they considered them gods. Uh, This was the time when Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, for instance, was built the exact same time, uh, the first great temple. uh, And that whole complex now of temples, there are 11 of them now uh, outside the town of San And so it could have been that the sons of God were, uh, it's just a name that the biblical writers used to describe these people who had existed thousands of years before. That's where the 12,000 came from that you had talked about. Uh, they existed uh, 12,000 years ago. Uh, it just so advanced that they seem godlike, and perhaps they made it with the uh, the daughters of men who were considered to be, uh, who were and uh, we might say that the offspring or, or the the uh the daughters of men who were born during this the hunter-gatherer cultures that weren't as sophisticated as the lost civilization and uh, whoever it was they produced these great offspring uh, the giants the nephilim uh, stories of giants are all around the world mm-hmm. even in you know people the spanish talked about coming across a race of giants and when they discovered jacksonville florida for heaven's sake and down in uh, off the coast of, of of south america um all over the place indian native american indians here in america had all kinds of ideas about giants and um, bigfoot susquatch all the rest of them so that's another way of wondering if the nephilim were perhaps this offspring of hybrid offspring of uh, two distinct races, one of them very advanced, who had lost their civilization in a worldwide cataclysm, and uh, the other, the hunter gatherers who lived other places in the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, not, not that different than what the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not to make it trite, did with Asgard. Uh, the, the, they were just a very advanced uh, aliens and that the, the, uh, ancient people took as gods. By the way, the, I found it in your book on page 48 the language is i'm going to g e apostrophe ah, easy g e apostrophe easy Ge'ez,
0: yeah i just could not think of that thank that's, you i appreciate it that's okay that's where i've been flipping that up
1: and i haven't been vamping that either i just uh, i just figured i can <laughs> multitask and i actually successfully did it this time so good for me <laughs> so yeah so we'll continue with that yeah so uh so yeah so we were i think when uh, Lamech, uh thought that maybe his Wife had had an affair with one. We'll just call him an angel for for yeah, the sure. sake, and and that Noah was not his son, and perhaps yeah, uh, yeah. otherworldly uh, or divine.
0: But, you know there there are and there are other uh, ways of looking at this. Uh, Zachariah Sitchin, for instance, considered uh, the Nephilim to be the offspring of you know the sons of God were actually aliens from another another planet, uh, and uh, there was actually a. a combination so uh, you know a, a a race of people born to off earth aliens uh angels uh, whatever we want to call them yeah, the anunnaki the
1: uh, 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 chronicles and,
0: and, yeah they, well the anunnaki the anunna, anunna gods and uh, there's a whole sumerian and babylonian uh things which i go to in the, in the end of the book in detail
1: even but the zulus all and all. the dogon tribes like uh, yeah. i mean yeah. yeah i mean uh Almost all religions have some androgynous god there, some some virgin birth and 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 some comes sort of from the skies.
0: Yeah, uh, comes from the skies
1: and and interbreeding. I, I don't know if you're a sci-fi buff or not, but uh, even if you're not, right now, American Horror Story is doing a, a something called double feature, and it's it's exploring this, but mostly in the fifties. Um, uh-huh. And also, I don't the reboot of Battlestar Galactica ends with the. The, the colonists realizing, first of all, the 13 colony was, was the Cylons all along. And the Cylons are, are, they created, um, Cylons that look like humans yep. that could interbreed with humans. And at the end, the, they find Earth, which is destroyed in a nuclear holocaust, but they find another planet, which I guess they name yep. Earth again. And so we have the ancient astronauts and with some Cylons and interbreeding, not just with each other but eventually with the actual humans that are on the homo sure. sapiens sapiens that are hunter-gatherers there. So this is visited all over the place, and it, it's just, I don't know, it's it's so interesting and so very, much fun.
0: Very common. Uh, in my book, Hidden History, I, I I go into some of this as well, because uh, I have two biology professors who are my go-tos, um, one a woman down in Florida and one a professor uh, in, in uh, Tennessee, and uh, I go to them, and we have these long discussions about how uh, our DNA came about. Uh, you know how you got life from non-life, and how, how DNA is is such a huge mystery to uh, biologists. And they talk about DNA manipulation, and uh, you know you can manipulate DNA simply by uniting two different races, uh, two different hybrid races, and producing hybrid rather. Uh, it, it, did our DNA come about because of uh, uh, the mixture of, of uh, different species way back in the past? Uh, that's another possibility. We just we just can't discount these things.
1: Well, we're doing it. I mean, I mean when people say GMOs, that, that's what we're doing with fo- with food, and and there's also sure. CRISPR. Uh, so you know, we're we're doing it right now, and every, you know, if people subscribe to certain sites or. Or just, and I don't mean sites. Uh, well, I do mean sites, but even news sites. So you know, forget about things like Ancient Origins, which I love, by the way. But you know, like uh, some of the science sites, Futurism, Science, Popular Mechanics. They'll they co- even CNN. They'll, they'll they'll cover. You know, we're we're making brains. Where uh, they yeah. we're making bodies. We're doing organs. I mean, the, the the Chinese are obviously doing a lot more than than we are because they. Uh, you know, obviously, I guess they 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 have you know more freedom to with their ethics I guess <laughs> with their, I'm trying to be careful with the way that I say things um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah less boundaries anyway to, <laughs> to, to, to push limits but yeah anyway yeah. this and, isn't not to just yeah, how,
0: how does all this thing come um, basically when we go back whenever you start talking to anybody about uh, ancient things like this you're basically it turns into talking about two different faith statements Um, There are those who have a faith statement. I use the term because it comes out of Christianity. But those who have a faith statement who said um, in the the basic evolutionary faith statement that everything comes up naturally, uh, that there are reasons for it, a cause and effect, and, and all this kind of thing. And we can't assume that something happened in the past because we just don't see it happening now. It's called uniformitarianism. That's a faith statement. And there's nothing wrong with it, if, unless we could become closed-minded about it. But the other faith statement says, well, what if things did happen in the past? What if there were uh, global catastrophes? What if we were visited by ancient aliens? What if human races in the past um, did live here on Earth and then left and then came back? What if there are different dimensions? And uh, there are certain entities that have the ability to walk back and forth between these dimensions and to pass through the curtain? Um, what if this stuff is true? So there's a, there's the second faith statement, Absolutely. and uh, it's just very difficult to have arguments unless people on both sides are willing to say, "Let's be open minded. Let's talk about it."
1: I, I agree hundred um, percent. It, it, there's yeah, these these are not. <laughs> the phrase that comes to my mind is leap of faith. These are not hard yeah. leaps of faith. Uh, and yeah. Maybe faith is the wrong word, but maybe it's the exactly the correct word.
0: It could be. It could be. I think you, raised a, you raise an interesting point. Um, the point is that if, if we just simply reject that something happened in the past that was unique, uh, that was different than what we see in today, if we just reject that out of hand, then we're being close-minded. Uh, on the other hand, it's very easy just to say, well, we we just can't say uh, because something happened, we don't understand, blame it on God, or blame it on the angels, or blame it on the aliens, you know, that's just, you, you can't do that either, but you, you have to have an open mind to study these things, otherwise you'll never get anywhere, I don't think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so we're going to, I guess we'll continue our journey in, in, with censoring God uh, I guess we were just about, you know, the scientific uh, basis for the floods, the uh, younger Dryas, Uh all, you know, almost every culture has a flood myth, maybe every culture. Um, I think
0: so, yeah. Matter of fact, I got into a, a bit of an argument with my editor on that, because he said, you mentioned that other cultures have floods, and then you spend six pages talking about flood legends from other cultures. You can't do that, it takes up too much time, and I said, well... You can't make a statement that other cultures have floods without telling you what those flood stories are. So yeah, well, I I I, I, managed I, eat up hold, that stuff. I managed to hold myself in, and, and sure enough, it the six pages got into the book.
1: Good, I, I good. That was it's good that you won that that battle because uh, that, 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 I, I think it makes a very important point.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really does. In all this thing, it it's it's too easy for us. To simply dismiss this stuff, we live in an age and a culture, for instance, right now that we want stuff on a bumper sticker, we want it easily understood, easily digested, and some of these questions are too complex for that. You just can't do it that way. And so, once you once you close your mind, or just make you know comments, uh, you know that really are not uh, worthy of the subject, then you just close off any kind of discussion. Um, when I write for Ancient Origins magazine, I write for the premium section, uh, which means that uh, you have to be a member to read the articles. The premium sections are usually, usually a little longer, and uh, they're supposed to be going to more in depth and all that kind of stuff. But once in a while on Facebook, uh, they'll take one of my articles and just put out maybe the first five or six paragraphs. And then on, and put it on Facebook and say if you want to read more, join the premium section. It's a, you know I mean it's, it's advertising. Let's face it. Of course. But I'm always amazed at how people. Sometimes there will be hundreds of comments that people put on Facebook, that are just uh, sometimes I don't even understand them. They're just these little snippets here and there, and they're put out with disdain and put out with anger, and they're based on the first three. Of paragraphs of an article that they haven't read, <laughs> and, and that is very typical. I'm afraid of our of our day. Uh, what I would love to see, and what I really push for in books like Sensory you know, God, is uh, a, a real solid discussion and getting down into the nits, the, the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts of these arguments. Because if we don't do that, we'll never get to the bottom. These are tough questions. They deserve our they deserve our respect, our time.
1: I agree. And I've been privileged with the show to stumble upon people that are similar to you, not necessarily in their, in, in the beliefs, but in that belief that this is a conversation for civility and, and to have open ideas. So, you know, I want to just say thank you to Cliff Dunning and Earth Ancients. That's how I had, that's how I became introduced to you. He's certainly someone who is engaged in civil discourse about uh, different ideas.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cliff Cliff got. Cliff was the one who introduced me to Ancient Origins and got me writing for them, as a matter of fact.
1: Right. I'm actually having dinner with one of the contributors to Ancient Origins. It just turns out that that uh, uh, he lives in the area, so uh, uh, we got yeah, well, so that's to, great. Yeah, so now, uh, you know, now, now I can make a friend, which is nice. Um, but also- <laughs> um,
0: yeah, Ancient Origins is sponsoring a seminar on uh, November... Oh, let me look it up quick. Uh, the weekend of November 20th and 21st. Uh, it's a seminar, a whole, a bunch of us are going to be talking, it's a zoom seminar. We're going to be talking about, um, a lot of this stuff that we've talked about. My particular topic is going to be, uh, different interpretations of the, uh, Eden story from the book of Genesis chapter one, two and three. Oh, great. What, and,
1: what yeah. is that conference called?
0: Uh, you know, if you go to the ancient origins website, uh, it's called, wait a minute. It's called, um,
1: is it the origins conference? I think so. I yeah,
0: okay. think so. The twentieth and twenty uh, twenty, yeah, twentieth and twenty first of November. If you go to the Ancient Origins website, there's a big advertisement, and you'll see the pictures of all the participants.
1: Yeah, those, I, I'm familiar with that conference. I'm actually seriously considering um, uh, enrolling in it. I, I'm not sure if I'm around that weekend or not, but yeah, the. There's a lot of authors there. There's a, a two gentlemen who wrote about the giants yeah. in the UK. Uh, yeah,
0: that's right. Uh, and well, the neat thing about the conference is, if you enroll in it, you don't even have to look at it that week. Uh, it's it's archived, and you can look at it forever.
1: Oh, fabulous! I'm sold. Um, yeah. yeah, that that's great. Oh, and on Eden, you actually made a very compelling case for where Eden is, and I've I, I sort of subscribed to the belief as the location without knowing a darn thing, uh, and 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 just coincidentally or maybe because uh you know i'm just that smart uh you validated it uh <laughs> and you were able to identify three out of the four rivers so let's let's go with that i know that's uh that's before noah so we're, we're skipping backwards but let's let's yeah. do that
0: well well it's it's interesting the, the story of eden uh in in the book of genesis is obviously it's it's a myth obviously there's uh you know, it's written with a lot of uh, mythological, spiritual reasons, and I don't tend to take it literally. But my problem with this story, just like my problem with the story of Atlantis, is that it's too much information. Uh, if it's just going to be a myth, and if it's just going to teach us a theological lesson or a spiritual lesson, why do we have to include such specific directions about the four rivers and uh, the little incident side columns about uh, the river flows through such and such where there is much gold. You know, mm-hmm. uh, why do they put in all of that information unless they are thinking of a particular place? And uh, I find it very interesting uh, to to try to follow that through. And if you take, you know, you obviously you you, uh, you you know they don't give you enough information to be able to pinpoint and say this is it. But I do think you can come pretty close, and uh, I like to uh, f- to follow this through. And in my own study, I come to agree with Andrew Collins. He and I have talked a little about this. Uh, he's written a book about it um, uh, in in Turkey, uh, up in that place, uh, right in the same area where the Noah's flood legends are, where the city, uh, you know, west of and north of, or. Uh, you know, east and north of San where Abraham was born and raised. And it's a country that is just uh, steeped in this kind of religious tradition. Uh, Mount Ararat, for instance, it's, it's, all, it's all there. And I just can't help but wonder whether the authors were thinking of a very specific place when they wrote that original uh, mythology about the Garden of Eden.
1: Yeah. So basically you say it's uh, sort of in southeast or south-central uh, Turkey, um, which is uh, sort of where the, Abraham was, the, was from as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, in the eastern, uh, northeast of San Um uh, You can, um, you know, travel to it today. It's right on the border Actually, which is why people can't climb up Mount Ararat very well, but it's it's there and and in the tradition, it's almost as if there's holy ground there, as if something has been going on there for a long time. And
1: uh, isn't it Kurdistan, modern Kurdistan, which I know is not a, its own state, but in the Kurdistan region? Yeah, yeah, the Kurds the Kurds uh, carried the
0: tradition down, uh, and that's which why I was so sad to see that. Uh, the, the terrible political infighting now, and even physical fighting between the Kurds and the Turks, uh, and it just—it—it's uh, it, a real shame that we have to take this. Well, I like to call it holy
1: ground, and uh, turn it into such a political nightmare today. Yeah, it's it—it it, it was honestly within the last two years that I learned that. The, the Turkey was not originally populated by Turks. The Turks came yeah. more from Central Asia and that's that's right. I mean there's a country called Turkmenistan. it should have it should have dawned on me, but the the Turkey was basically you know uh, assimilated conquer whatever just like France, Frankia the Franks were a German tribe
0: yeah yeah I, I really recommend uh, Alan Co- uh Andrew Collins's book uh, from the Ashes of Angels uh, he talks quite a bit about this as a matter of fact, that's the book that got him in trouble. Uh, got him blacklisted from going back into Turkey because he speaks, he dedicates it to the Kurdish people.
1: Oh, well, I'll do and, it. And, uh,
0: and, and so it's not a politically correct book in Turkey right now.
1: There's also a myth that that um, Britain was, was named after Brutus, who was basically from Troy, uh, of not Troy, Turkey. which is yeah. which is Turkey. And then maybe within the last year, there was DNA around Stonehenge that, that found that those people's were in fact Turkic, so the, uh, yes. so, so even the the you know some of the most ancient Britons may have been Turkic as well.
0: That's exactly well exactly the truth. Uh, the one thing out of all the books that I've written, the one thing that stays with me more than anything else is our history is a lot more complex. Than
1: we tend to think it is usually right. Uh, yeah, the, the, I think the the problem with any sort of a uh, pure race is that uh, we've been around too long for anyone to be pure. Whatever pure means to someone. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, maybe there's a few people in in Finland and 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 in, and, <laughs> and, and, and in Africa and 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 you know maybe those, you know that's about it. But uh, I, yeah, I, I yeah. you know I, I don't know because uh, we keep finding different types of uh, hominids that, that exactly are evolving sort of contemporaneously and and who knows.
0: And we're always pushing the dates back, 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 all the time. We're a lot older, a lot ancient, more ancient, and we're a lot richer uh, species and, and culture than uh, we ever tend to think.
1: Yeah, and I think we should we should stop with all the pure race stuff. Because the fact is, if you're of different races, you different species, you cannot successfully mate, and we can. So it's just sure. it's, so it's just one species. So the the it, you know we're all the same level of. Pure or impure, whichever way you want to look at it, because we can all have kids with each other who can have kids of their own. Unlike a donkey and a horse, that can have, the, the mule is sterile. You, there's not a lot of you can't have any tiger lion offspring having further offspring.
0: Yeah. Anybody listening to this has very probably got uh, not only Denisovan but Neanderthal genes within them somewhere. Uh, it's that prevalent.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm waiting for Ancestry DNA to incorporate that into their database. <laughs>
0: right? Would that be something
1: <laughs> for the twenty three ninety nine Father's Day special price? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm sorry, I, I I had you started with Eden, and then we uh we well, we, we meandered uh, like a river.
0: <laughs> that that makes it fun. <laughs>
1: yes. So Eden. Uh, so yeah, you identified I think it was the Tigris, the Euphrates. I forget the third river that you identified.
0: Oh, they talk about the the uh, they they name four rivers. The Tigris and the Euphrates aren't actually named. Uh, the other two, well, we know where one of them could be, and the fourth we just don't know right now. But they all tend to spring up uh, around those around the mountains in the same in the same area, uh, you know, a little west of Mount Ararat. So, who can say? Who can say?
1: Exactly, um, yeah, the, the, yeah. It, it, it's amazing. And of course, that you know, but we can tell from the geography that the Tigris and the Euphrates is, is uh, almost definitely two of them. I, I've heard some people say that maybe I read it from your book. I'm not sure that um, people uh, talk about the Persian Gulf as being the river. That, that that the word river was mistranslated. It actually means any body of water or sea. I don't know. I mean, I how, how much is well,
0: it? Well, the the, the, the text is very careful to uh, put out in, in, in the original Hebrew. It's very careful to talk about uh, the rivers where they rise rather than where they go. And uh, both the Tigris and the Euphrates rise in those mountains. And uh, they flow into what is now the Persian Gulf. So I just don't think you can put the... the uh, you know, if, if you're going to look for a Garden of Eden at all uh, in an historical place... I don't think you can find it down in the Persian Gulf. I I think it's up in those, up in the mountains of uh, Eastern Turkey.
1: Yeah, and for those uh, who, I'm sure most of my listeners are are at least aware of this concept, but thousands of years ago, the climate was very different in the Middle East than it is now. But uh, especially in, in, well, I don't know but especially, but in Turkey, that that 6,000, 12,000 years ago was much more temperate and moderate, but, uh, you know, more... More tropical than than desert mm-hmm. and arid, and there's a reason why there's depictions of fauna and lions, you know, all through the world. And now lions are pretty much only found found in Africa. The the world was was more temperate and and uh, tropical in more places uh, in northern latitudes than than it is now. There were lions in in Europe, uh, you know, and now there are. And so the you know, yeah. The, the yeah the climate discoveries.
0: Uh, the discoveries that we're going to be finding down in Antarctica now that the ice is starting to melt more and more are really going to be interesting too.
1: Yeah. What a terrible uh, reason to find that stuff. But yeah, you're uh, right. Uh, I, I, yeah. I know a lot of people are, have big expectations. I don't know how many of them are realistic or not, but we shall find out. But yeah. I, I I hope we survive long enough to, uh, to find the exit the, uh, yeah. The, yeah. and yeah. then reverse the, the situation that caused it. Yeah.
0: Well, we're we're at a precipice right now in history. I really believe it. Uh, science and religion have gone their separate ways ever since uh, the days of Isaac Newton and Galileo, really. And uh, we're coming back together again right now. A lot of the modern cutting-edge science, especially in the quantum realm, um, is describing things that the Hebrew Rishis, the Hindu uh, Rishis talked about 6,000 years ago, I think we're beginning to understand the science behind some of the spirituality that has gone into um, so much of our history, and if if we can survive uh, the next fifty years, uh, and I'm well, sometimes I, I I I worry because there are so many changes right now. It, it, the technology is. Taking over for us. We don't, I don't think we have the maturity to handle some of the technological inventions we have. The environmental catastrophe, of course, the political thing going on. Um, if we can get through this period, I think we have a great future ahead of us. But uh, there's no guarantee that we're going to get through it. Uh, there are too many stories about lost civilizations in the past. And uh, I find it just very difficult. For instance, uh, Edward Gibbon in uh, how are we doing on time Do
1: we? there is no time limit oh, no. on this show oh, okay. I mean so uh,
0: Edward yeah. Gibbon uh, wrote his decline and fall of the Roman Empire back in 1783. and uh, in that book in 1783 he came up with five uh, reasons why the Roman Empire fell apart and the world went into the age that we call the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages. Um, See if these reasons ring a bell with you. For instance, number one, he said that one of the reasons that the Roman Empire fell apart was because sports and entertainment received more and more money while the plight of the poor was neglected. Check. Number two, the money from the state went to the military rather than the public good. Check. Number three, violence in both games
1: and public life became more and more accepted and prevalent. That's for sure. Number four,
0: people's faith in government was undermined, and justly so. And number five, religions grew fragmented and became a cause of dissension rather than unity. Uh, I see that written back in 19... 1937, or 1783, and I begin to wonder, uh, even before that, way back, going back 2,500 years now, Plato uh, talked about Atlantis uh, in his uh, Timaeus. And he talked about for many generations, the people obeyed the laws and loved the divine to which they were akin. And they thought that qualities of character were more important than prosperity. So they bore the burden of their wealth and possessions lightly and did not let their high standard of living intoxicate them or make them lose their self-control. But, he said, when the divine element in them became weakened and their human traits became predominant, they ceased to be able to carry their prosperity with moderation. And in one day and one night, they fell into the sea. Uh, I, I see things like that, and I realize that uh, just because things have been a certain way for our entire lifetime does not mean that it has to continue. Other generations have faced these problems. And uh, how how we face the next, well, let's say 20 years, I think, is going to
1: make a big difference in the history books of the human race. Yeah, I guess the positive and the negative of it is that from that time, we've uh, doubled in population about four times over. So, yeah, yeah, uh, so sure. obviously, we we survived it, but the tools are ever more dangerous. I mean, you, no matter how much you try, you, you can't eviscerate the, the world's population with brown swords. You can with hyperbolic missiles.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we're, we're I'm
1: sorry, hypersonic fight. missiles. I said hyperbolic.
0: Well, <laughs> 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 uh, that might be something there to that too. Yes, Hyperbole sure. is rampant nowadays, indeed. But you know, even in our simple technological tools like like uh, social media, it, it can do so much good in terms of bringing people together. But we've seen in our own lifetime how it can do so much evil as well. Uh, people can use it to. Bully other people and to uh, spread misinformation, to spread lies, uh, to spread uh, you know all the every bit of technology that we touch. It seems like it's it's dualistic in nature. It has a good side and a bad side. And uh, are we morally upstanding enough? Are we spiritually? Mature enough to be able to handle the kind of technology and that's just the that's just the internet that says nothing about nuclear weapons or anything like that.
1: Well, people haven't changed the tools have changed and I think it, it exacerbates or makes some more yeah. obvious the issues but yep. uh, I think that uh, yep. the problem is, is that people accept nuance in themselves and out, and they're close to them but they don't accept nuance in anyone who's exactly. a couple steps away from them and if we just yep. realize that the world was complex and everything is nuanced meaning there's pros and cons to everything there's perspectives yep. to everything I mean the tone yep. the, the, the 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 tone today is being woke and mindful but I think that people are not mindful they're not i mean no, mindful no. and woke should be that you're a vet you should be aware that others have different perspectives it doesn't mean that they're right but that you should listen um yeah. you know but uh, that's but, that seems to be gone
0: yeah well we uh we seem to be uh i, I hate to close on a on a, uh, a negative note like that but on the other hand look on the other side uh, maybe maybe we'll make the right decision
1: well the show is called Garden of doom and and, and 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 I'm not gonna bore you with the origin story of it, abyss it was a bit frivolity but definitely we were and it was a we at the time we were looking for something sort of uh you know we were looking at the world and saying, whoa um so it's it's not an accident but I yep. I, I I don't want to be married to it I've actually sort of sometimes regretted the name since but i sort of had to fight for the trademark with the makers of the video game doom sure. which is absurd like i mean who would, yeah. who would, who would confuse these two things but uh yeah. that's worked yeah. out uh sure. in any event let let's let's close out first of all with something positive uh, from you and then tell people where they can find you tell them your books tell sure. them where they can buy your stuff etc uh
0: probably the easiest way uh, is just go to my website it's www.jimwillis.net and uh, that also will lead you to my Facebook page, and it will lead you to my YouTube page. Um, Jan and I are doing a lot of uh, videos that we're putting up on YouTube right now. Uh, the book Quantum Akashic Field, for instance, has just been picked up by uh, uh, International Book Club, and we did two videos for them that we just posted in the last couple of weeks. And uh, we have some a lot of other videos on uh, dowsing and on um, other books that I've read. But if you go to the webpage, jimwillis.net, you can look at all the different pages that are. One of them says books, and you can just click on any of the books. It'll take you right to different places to to get them if you're interested. There's also a a contact page, and I love to hear from uh, people who uh, I don't get a chance to hear because, you know, you and I are talking and there's other people listening to us. And I don't know who they are, but mm-hmm. through the contact page, they can contact me. And uh, I love to get back in, in touch with them.
1: Well, to steal a line from a, a, a friend of mine who does a different podcast, all of my listeners are fine, upstanding young men and women. That's great. Fine, <laughs> upstanding young people. Um, so uh, even if they're not so young like myself. So uh, <laughs> I, I really appreciate you being on this show. Uh, you know, I, I consider this to be a big get um so, so we already talked about the religion book you just mentioned the the quantum akashic book censoring god obviously we spend most of our time talking about um obviously they can go to your website and find out all the other books as sure. well uh and you're going to be part of that the origins conference coming up soon which uh you informed us that if you can't attend it live that you that you can download it and watch it at any time for this for the sure. uh, registration fee so this is all great stuff. Any Anything else, anything that you want to particularly promote at this time? Any of the, the books that need to push, want to push?
0: Oh, nothing nothing special. It's just uh, just hopefully that they can make a difference in people's lives.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, if there's someone that can help lead a movement, you, you seem to be uh, a, a good proxy for that.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate it, Jeff. Really do.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, Is there a song that you would like to be your outro song? Is there a song that you associate with you that probably won't get me into copyright trouble?
0: Uh, Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, If you go to some of the videos, uh, I open up some of them with some songs that I have recorded in the past, uh, back in the days of vinyl records. You remember those? The classic vinyl records? Sure. And uh, one of my all-time favorites that we did a recording of uh, was... um, (laughs) <laughs> i'm showing my age now an old barry manilow tune uh listen to the world i mean uh daybreak it can be daybreak
1: daybreak uh, I, that, that's I, I fine
0: that a very very happy uplifting song
1: i'm fine hey listen i, I was just singing miracle earlier by barry manilow so <laughs> i i'm 53 next month so i i you know we're you're you I'm probably young to you, but uh, <laughs> but there it is.
0: Well, hope hope they hope you enjoy it. Uh, hope you enjoy the, the the website. All of those who were out there.
1: Yes, please check out his stuff. Check out the books and uh, daybreak. That that's probably what you're going to be hearing next. So everyone, tune in next week. Next week we're going to do a uh, Halloween special. We have our poet, our award-winning poet Jennifer Sutherland, coming back in, and we're going to talk about hell in literature so that that should be fun and then then uh, we'll probably start getting into the uh ufo month that i've been promising you all by the way audience i'm sorry to make jim listen to this uh i've probably pulled the plug on the land of the lost reviews midway through if any of you really want it i will do that and drop those as bonus episodes without numbers um it's just been so hard getting the panel together uh, consistently, all of those folks have lives, including our Hollywood producer, Mark Hammer, who just left Richmond for North Carolina. By the way, Dope Sick is, is a show that he executive he was an executive producer on. It's it's on Hulu right now about the opioid crisis. Um, and it, it's been tough, but I'm still working on trying to get Wesley Euron, who played Wesley Marshall from Land of the Lost, Los- hope is not all abandoned with that uh, so we'll see and maybe we'll get we'll all get together to, to review the movie but if you want it you can reach me on the Garden of the Doom Facebook page or IcarusFellMD on Twitter and uh, I will can still watch the rest and do special reviews if, if you all want it if you don't I mean you know, I, I can do other things with my time like read like read the religion book
0: <laughs> all right. thanks Jeff appreciate it
1: thank you so much
2: U.S. Cellular,
0: we're local, so we can help everyone stay connected for less. And less also means more, as in more choice. While the other guys may limit your options,
2: at U.S. Cellular, you choose any phone and we make it free. That's right, visit our store and any phone you see is free. Plus, get unlimited data for
0: $30 a month with four lines. U.S. Cellular, America's locally grown wireless. Terms apply, see uscellular.com for details.